0: Folks, we're nearing the end of the season. It's almost time to say goodbye to everything that we've had together. The Ottawa Senators, the Siddines, all of it. All the things that have made this show what it is. Um, but we're not done yet, folks. I'm Dave, Dave Lozo, here in Brooklyn, in the in the luxurious sound studios at the vice offices. And you, you know my, my Canadian podcast partner in Ottawa. Hey everybody, I'm Dave's Canadian podcast
1: partner. I'm in Ottawa. In Ottawa, yeah, yeah.
0: There you go, there you go. How was uh, How was your weekend? How was How was How was life? How was life without me? Because we 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 waited as long as we could to do the live show with you. We we held the st- We held the curtain for like 30 minutes, and you never showed up. So
1: yeah, dude, I was like, it takes a long time to run there from the airport. I was like, man, uh, I I I, man. I know you're a big fitness guy, but I mean, you could have just I got there, and the place
0: was like locked up, and I don't know. Oh, you got there after we left. Yeah. Oh, man, that is just. Oh. People were asking. They were like, "Hey, where, where's that other guy who loves the Sedin so much?" And I was like, "I don't know. He's he's he said he was coming, but sorry." So we had to refund all the money for the tickets, and That's but it's sh- fine. <laughs> That's, Nobody seemed upset. I hate to see that. <laughs> so we have an hour to to get to to some stuff. We we are gonna you know go over what the Canucks got to do now without the Sedin's back next season. How they're gonna fill that void, both. On the ice and in the locker room. Uh, Little draft recap stuff, trades, and looking forward to free agency. But specifically, off the bat, the number one free agent that we need to talk about is Michael Kempney. Now, Michael Kempney (laughs) is a Stanley Cup champion who, unlike John Tavares, has won it all once. So uh, we're going to focus the first 42 minutes on Michael Kempney. Does that work for you? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So you, you think he stays in Washington?
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. All the teams he's got coming in to speak to him, and I know all the like presentations the, and everything. That's like it's like do
0: you want to have the eight years of security or do you want to get the seven when you know Toronto comes in and just blows your doors off with a forty-two million dollar? I don't know. It's it's I'm, I'm envious of the kid. It's tough,
1: but like it's a, it's a great place to be in, right? It is tough. <laughs> I'm I'm happy. Right. We actually we got what we wanted. We got we got a John Tavares sweepstakes. Like, we right. got to the to the window. He didn't do what it, it was starting to look like he was going to do, which was, like, get to two days before and then bail on the whole thing and just sign whatever the Islanders put in front of him. So we've got the presentations. We've got John Tavares holed up in a hotel in L.A. We've got media staking it out to figure out who comes in and when and whether they're smiling on the way out. <laughs> and it's probably all going to end with, John Tavares just signing with the Islanders after all. But at least we get like a few days of of fun and speculation and all this other stuff. Isn't it weird that the Islanders are pitching? Like they've had That's like super months. weird. That is like, so weird. What were they doing all the last few weeks when we were told that they were constantly talking to John Tavares? Why? And like when you heard that uh, Lula amarillo and the Islanders were headed to LA, that kind of made sense. Like just... Be there. If there's a question, if there's anything that comes up, you're right there. You know, you can you you're, you drop everything and and you go talk to to John Tavares on a moment's notice if you need to. That seems smart. But then to find out that they're presenting and also that they're presenting second, <laughs> like you think they would either go first or last. Like I could see if they got to it, you, you do all the presentations for the other teams and then you have the Islanders come in. Because then you can say, okay, here's what we heard, you know, give us, here's your last chance to to keep us, you know, now that we know what we know from the other teams, but like for them to just come in, just be second. I don't know. Hi, my name is Lou. This is Barry.
0: Uh, you can call me Mr. Lamarillo. Uh, I'm the GM of the New York Islanders. And this yeah. is Barry Trotz. He's now the coach of the New York Islanders. Let me tell you about the wonderful things in Brooklyn and Long Island. And you're like, wait, what? I live there. I know, but you. But have you ever lived there? And then there's like this, like you know, splashy video where like it's like John Tavares' head, like you know, photoshopped yeah. on like a guy riding a horse or something. Like, have you ever ridden a horse in Long Island? We're gonna give you horse money, And there's like music playing and stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, have you
1: ever pictured yourself as a New York Islander and it's just John Tavares' <laughs> head photoshopped onto John Tavares' body? And he's like, why would you do that? I I did like the fact to... that they've got him coming in right after the Maple Leafs which leads me to believe it was just nothing but Lou Lamarillo just crapping on the Leafs organization for 3 hours just being like here's why everything they just told you was right. a total oh, lie. Or or like it's going to
0: be great when like Dubis walks out and like Lamarillo walks in and there's like that awkward stare down as they pass each other in like the CAA hallways like hey what's up? Hey, what have you nothing, been up what's to?
1: What's up? Oh, just doing
0: your old job, you know, just running running the Leafs. What are you doing? Oh, you're not running the Leafs anymore. Oh, yeah. that's right, because I am.
1: Who are you? Yeah, who are, who are you with? Oh, you found someone. That's great. Who? The Islanders. Oh, okay.
0: All right. Oh, the Islanders. Interesting. Sure. Oh, they got that John Tavares
1: guy. Oh no, wait. They
0: might not have that John Tavares guy. Ah. Oh. oh, that's oh, too bad, Lou. Yeah. It's it, it's it's weird too how um the, like not weird I guess but like the the whole thing is in L.A. and like the Kings and Ducks aren't even just like hopping in their cars and like driving ten minutes. They just go pitch just 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 to do it just to be like hey. Yeah. You want to play with uh, uh, Corey Perry? No. Okay. We just had to ask. We had, you're right here. You're right around the corner. It's a it's a it's a six dollar Uber to come here. So yeah. we just thought we'd ask. So that's, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I
1: yeah. It's so let's start with just the list. The six teams that he chose to talk to, because I think that on its own was sort of surprising.
0: There's there's some teams on the list where you're like, yeah, and then there's Boston, and you're just like,
1: Boston's, it's good. That yeah. So he's got they're he, going but he did mm. he did Toronto and the Islanders on day 1. Day 2 is Boston and San Jose. Boston's a surprise. San Jose we all kind of I think a lot of people figure San Jose is is probably the favorite if he doesn't go back to the Islanders. Yeah. That San Jose's kind of got kind of checks all the boxes of of what he might be looking for. And then Wednesday is what? Wednesday's the is Dallas and Tampa
0: is Nashville on that one too are they doing like all the ta- the income tax free no, states apparently, No apparently
1: no I like see apparently Nashville's there's and then there's like Nashville Vegas Montreal and maybe a couple other teams where they they don't get to present but they might do a phone call. like I mean talk about <laughs> clearly being being put in your place but they they could tag in late in the process and and either come present or or do it over the phone but I wonder if in the
0: meeting, it's like the meetings in the movies where there's a nego- negotiation going on, and then the guy, like a GM, just writes down a number on a piece of paper and just slides it over, like all cool, like, and then like John Tavares picks it up and shows it to Paprosin, and they nod or they they, they they order security to like throw Jim Neal out of the room. Like, I, I want yeah. I want I want like details. Like I've always wanted to sit in. I want to see on one an of arbitration these hearing, but I've never thought about this. Like I think I'd want to just be in the room just to hang out.
1: Yeah, especially this because I feel like the teams are. Maybe doing like very different things because I mean they're three hour meetings. It's it doesn't take three hours to just say seven years, twelve million a year. I mean, yeah, you're gonna show a little brochure for for the city and all of that, but like, like, like what you do you, what do you
0: think they tell John Tavares about like the Maple Leafs that he doesn't know already? Like, you, you think- know what?
1: I'll I'll tell you two things I'd be willing to bet happen at that Leafs. Here here's my here's my prediction or my my gut feeling on on what the Leafs threw at him other than the same stuff that everyone else is I, I think two things I think number one they pull out the Leaf's jersey carefully folded mm-hmm. they put it down on the table they begin to unfold it first he sees the the Leafs logo on the on the shoulder. Kyle Dubas flips it over it's got the 91 on the back unfolds that you see the Taveras nameplate. And then he flips it over to the front, and you got the Maple Leafs logo on the front, and above that is the captain's C. And they basically tell him, you will be the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs if you come sign here. You're day one. You are captain of the Maple Leafs. And the other thing that I think they, because this was kind of hinted at, I can't remember if it was Elliot or Chris Johnson, or somebody kind of mentioned, I think it was Ellie Freeman, that I guess when the Cubs, did you see this? Where the Cubs were, yeah, there trying, like I think it was movie, John
0: Lester, like movie magic or whatever to like. Get yeah, John Lester they did to like sign, yeah. they did
1: like a CGI thing of the Cubs winning the. World. I I can just picture some sort of CGI movie thing of the Leafs winning the Stanley Cup, and you know it's it's done. It's like a first person, like you're looking around the crowd going crazy, as you know, and the, the everyone's celebrating, and then you see like a little CGI Gary Bettman comes out. <laughs> And he's, and somebody, and they probably hired some, like the world's best Gary Bettman impersonator to come out and go, Toronto, you've waited a long time for this. John Tavares, come get the Stanley Cup. And then it's just the goosebumps and chills in the room as John Tavares pictures himself, not just being part of the Leaf Stanley Cup winner, but being the guy who gets to go over there. And lift the Stanley Cup after 50 plus years or whatever. And like, that's it. That's what the Sharks can't offer you. That's what the the Bruins, whoever else can't offer you. You get to be that guy who's going to be in the most famous moment and photograph and everything else in Toronto Maple Leafs history and Canadian hockey history for the rest of your life. That's the selling point.
0: Okay, be honest with me. Did Kyle Dubas hire you to write the script for the video? Because I feel like no, I feel like this didn't. is way
1: too detailed that you know too much about it. He didn't, and I may have thought too much about it. And this may be an <laughs> improvement on my original plan of just showing like Wendell Clark highlights for for two straight hours. And but well, I mean, I, may, yeah. maybe that that's, maybe that's, that's the last the two and a half hours. Maybe the first half hour
0: maybe. is Jersey offer video, and then it's here's Wendell Clark just doing stuff.
1: Yeah, because that's it. That's that's the selling point if you're the Leafs. Because you you can't the leafs can't win on money because they have tons of cap room in year 1 but it tightens up after that and even if they can match even if they can beat the money for some for dallas or or tampa or whoever they lose on the taxes so he's going to make more money going somewhere else so they can't get him on that uh you know you you can get him on quality of team and chance to win but if if that's what he's going for tampa's still a better fit yeah nashville nashville's a better fit San Jose's so, pretty good too san jose's in the ballpark at least they had 100 and, points
0: last year i mean yeah i kind of forget yeah. that san jose was as good as they were i mean they were missing joe thornton for half the year and they still had a 100 yeah. point season so Sa- san jose
1: put it this way if, even if you don't think san jose's as good as the leafs could be they're close enough that when you factor in all the other things about like living in the, in the bay area and everything else that's enough. You're like, you know, I know people kind of roll their eyes whenever any original 16, but especially the Leafs like breaks out like the history and like all oh, the tradition and it you know, <laughs> wouldn't it be. But you know what? That's your angle. And if that matters to him, then you have a chance to win. And if it doesn't matter, then you weren't going to win anyways, so, you know, take your shot. Like this is, you know, the message to to John Tavares would be, you know, come to Toronto, be the captain, be the guy who wins the Stanley Cup here, and you say, "Look, man, Mark Messier played more NHL hockey than pretty much anyone other than Gordie Howe. Just about played for twenty years, did one, won everything you can win, won heart trophies, all went to you know he, he Mark Messier did absolutely everything, and the very first thing that most people think of when you say. The name Mark Messier is that image of the him getting the, the Stanley in the Cup. Oh, oh, the Stanley There's Cup. There's that. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Assuming Sorry. you're not a Canucks fan, yeah. you picture him getting the Stanley Cup from Gary Bettman. That is the enduring Mark Messier image. That and the guarantee, but like the one, like show me a photo of Mark Messier, it's him taking the Stanley Cup from Gary Bettman because that is the moment that people remember him for. Okay. And you've got a chance to have that same moment in Toronto. And again, like John Tavares might hear that and just roll his eyes and like be looking at his agent, like making the wanking mode, like get these guys out of here with this. And fine, a lot of people would have that reaction, but that that's your shot. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to win on money. You're not going to win on Toronto's a nice place to live because everyone else can, can at least match you there, if not beat you. This is your one area. So that's, you know, go heavy on it. And if it doesn't work, then it was probably never going to work. And at least you took your shot.
0: Let me Let me throw this there out. At you, the, the 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 Canadian the Canadian Bureau, is it possible that John Tavares would prefer San Jose because he wouldn't have to be the captain? Because if he goes to Toronto, he's going to have to be the captain and be at the forefront and deal with the media every single day. While in San Jose, he's going to be a leader there for sure, but he's not going to have to be the guy wearing the C. It's going to be a more relaxed Maybe. environment, and I don't know. I just I always get the vibe from him that it's not that he hates being a captain. Like I, I think he likes it, but I just think being a captain in Toronto would bring about more stuff than maybe he wants to deal with. So I wonder it's, if when they unfurl the Jersey, maybe it's better that it has no C on it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's possible, but I, I think first of all, if he comes to Toronto, the, media attention is going to be insane. Every day. No matter what, whether oh, yeah. he's captain or not. And he knows that. And the fact that he's at least willing to talk to the Leafs suggests that he would be okay with that. Uh, but yeah, this is the kind of thing where like, I assume, and, and this is why I'd, I'd love to be behind the scenes on this stuff. Like, I assume there's a lot of, I mean, I was going to say due diligence being done. I think it's more than that. Like, I, I think there's a lot of like, y- you're, you're just trying to get any information. Anyone who's ever known John Tavares, you're trying to talk to them and be like, what makes him tick? What is he like? What is he... Has he ever said anything about what he would... You know, what appeals to him? How do we tailor this in a way? Because you're right. Like, maybe the Leafs have, have been doing their due diligence and they found out that, like, John Tavares is the last guy who would go for any of that, you know, silly tradition stuff. That's not what makes him tick, in which case you assume you don't do it. And maybe that's why they wouldn't. But yeah, like, I, I, I mean... I can't imagine these teams are just walking in going, oh, I think maybe he'd like it if we did this. Like there's, there's got to be like people tracking down old roommates and, you know, former girlfriends, whatever else. Just be like, tell us something. Give it like, let us build a profile of this guy so that we can go in in two hours and mm-hmm. convince him to uproot his whole life to to come, come play. I wonder if like, if you get to like the 90 minute mark
0: of the three hour thing and you feel like you're, you're not winning them over. Do you just like change the tone of it for the last 90 minutes where you're just like, all right, we're not going to get this guy. All right. I got an idea. Yeah. Hey, do, do you have any weaknesses in in your body where let's say if you got checked there, um, maybe it would break. <laughs> like how, how are your ligaments in your knees? How are your ankles? Do you feel like you have a weak Achilles? Um, just, just is just standard questions. We ask all free agents
1: if you think, yeah. you know, we're going to sign them. Yeah, it's you just be like, yeah, you know, we just want to know you so you, you know, do you have any sort of personal flaws or anything like that? Like are you are you like a habitual, uh, you know, uh like a habitual liar at all? Like a anything like that? Oh, okay, it's just we're wondering because like, you know, other famous players have been like Steve Is- I didn't know if you knew Steve Iserman, but uh yeah, he's a terrible guy. He Don Sweeney I think was another one who they really had a problem with. Oh, are you talking to them tomorrow? Oh no, we didn't. We didn't know that. But yeah, you just got to go into torpedo. I think if you're the Leafs and you realize it's not going well, you got to start selling hard on San Jose and just get him to like yeah the Pacific. It's just like, be like, dude. Yeah, man. It's like that'd be our second choice. It's like, and San Jose apparently is is bringing in. The players yeah they're bringing Evander Kane I guess
0: for the the new guy perspective they give John Tavares the new guy feeling of what it's like when you first get there and they can just say things like oh the guys were so great to me blah 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 you fit in great there and you bring Joe Thornton there because he's 38 and he keeps getting one year eight million dollar deals now or just like short contracts like he can just be like John 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 when you get older Like they're never gonna let you go. They're just gonna keep throwing tons of money at you. I got a one year, eight million dollar deal last year. Eight million bucks at thirty seven, man. Like when you're thirty seven, that'll be like fifteen million dollars. You have to come out
1: here. And then Thornton will be like, or Tavares will be like, wow, that does sound awesome. What's your contract for this year? "Uh, Funny thing. Uh, thing. You know what? Um, Imagine that. Contracts. Imagine that when like Thornton really sells him, and Tavares is like, okay, I'll sign, and Doug Wilson's like, yay, okay, Joe, get out of here. We don't have room for you anymore.
0: Yeah, it turns out that John Tavares said the only way, the only way he signs is if you don't sign. So, ah,
1: this is awkward. Um, we're gonna have to let you go. How great uh, would it be if Joe Thornton convinced him to go to San Jose, and then he signed, and then Joe Thornton signed with the Islanders for like <laughs> thirteen million? There's like, ha. My favorite part of that though is that they're bringing in Evander Kane to like sell him on, I guess San Jose. What a great place, San Jose. It's like, dude. You played in Winnipeg and Buffalo. Like, of course San Jose was an upgrade. Plus he, plus he just
0: got there. Like, what's he going to be like? There's really great Chipotles. Um, the hotel that I lived in was awesome. No, he's going to tell
1: the story about Joe Thornton picking him up at the airport. The most oh, impressive God. thing oh, that anyone yeah. has ever done. Yep. Oh, that was... No one's ever done that before. Nobody's... I wonder what other things they could do, Joe Thornton could do to... I wonder. Like, he can't pick Joe... Maybe he did pick... Tavares up at the airport maybe he just drives an uber like in his spare time and it was just coincidence
0: I wish i could get that much credit for an airport pickup oh my god you're the greatest person ever you pick me up at the airport well I mean I live 15 minutes away and and we've been married for four years so I just think that's
1: probably okay I I probably have to do that don't I isn't that like required in the Uh, vows I don't know like John Tavares like the thing that really sold me on San Jose was that Joe Thornton agreed to arrange my cable hookup and he made all the phone calls and got the. Yeah, it was it was really nice. He set up my router. I didn't know how to how to how to set up my
0: Wi-Fi or my internet, and he's just like, "No, uh, you tap this button and it resets." Like, oh my god, I love it out here. What a leader you are! Uh oh. so where do you think he ends up? What, what do you what do you think the final answer is going to be? I mean,
1: I still think it's the Islanders, and I, I think yeah. that's that's all signs are pointing there. If I'm an Islanders fan, I'm not worried now. I don't worry until. He's, they're doing the presentations Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I, you know, Thursday would be the day ideally that I'd hear that. That's when we heard on on the Stamkos uh, signing. It was the, the like the day after, where he we found out in the middle of all that other stuff that was going on with with weather yeah, and all right. of everything. We found out Stamkos was staying. I you know I would if I'm an Islanders fan. I'm excited when I wake up thursday morning thinking you know today's the day we're gonna hear if i haven't heard anything by friday i start getting nervous if i haven't if we make it to the weekend and i haven't heard then i'm i'm getting really nervous because it's like there's no reason for him he can't sign with any other team until july 1 but he can sign with the islanders anytime he wants so if if he decides to stay in new york there, it, it there's no reason for that to get to July 1st. he, he can do that Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So if, if we get to Sunday and you know we' that 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 official signing period is opening, that's when I'm in big time panic mode if I'm an Islanders fan. But I would assume that we're gonna probably know before then, even if he's going somewhere else like that that would you know he'll inform that team because he's not going to go into free agency, you wouldn't think. And take like five days to make his decision because, you know, these, these teams have got like, they, they need that money somewhere else. They need to like, he'll, he'll be the first domino to, to fall, so to speak. So I, I, I think we'll know one way or another, but certainly if it's, you know, if we haven't heard, it's not bad news for the Islanders until let's say Saturday. And then, then you really start to worry. Yeah, the weekend's probably. If it gets to the
0: weekend, that's probably a bad sign. But I think I'm leaning. I think I'm leaning sharks. Like I, I, I understand all the reasons why a guy would stay with his team, and after all this, because it's just hockey, and that's what they do. But I don't know. Like something about Doug Wilson getting the money, Bodker's money off the books. I feel like he just knows. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's just he's got he's got an idea that John Tavares wants to come there. He's freeing cap space, and yeah, you can free the cap space and then fall back on Paul Stasny, but. I don't know. I I just I feel like San Jose is like the perfect fit for John Tavares as a player. His personality. Um, he's like he's not he's not like he's not gonna have to go there and have all this pressure of winning a cup. I mean, yeah, San Jose is kind of desperate for one after all those years. But like Toronto, maybe brings an element of something that he doesn't want. Nashville doesn't really. I don't think have enough money. They probably have to work the roster a little bit. Dallas is just Dallas. I don't know why in the hell you go to Dallas. Boston's cute. I like Boston. Giving it a try. That's that's. There's doesn't. There's no harm in that. They got in the door. It's gotta yeah, be. you know, like Don Sweeney, like greased the palm of the guy at the outside the door. Like, hey, you know, maybe give me a little table next to John Tavares in the meeting room. And they're like, all right, okay, go on, go on in, buddy. But yeah, I think it's either the Islanders or the
1: Sharks because, you know, hockey players yeah. never want to change their address. They never because, do. Yeah, they, I mean, that's the most likely. I think San Jose out of the non-Islander teams is the favorite. Because the other thing is they've got the cap room, but unlike, you know, Nashville and Tampa, like Nashville and Tampa could make cap room. But if you're Tavares, you're sitting there going, okay, well, but what does that mean? Like, who, who do you remove from that roster where I'm going to come in the door and everyone's going to be like, oh yeah, look, it's, you know, this guy is the reason we don't have these other two guys. And right off the bat, you've got that pressure versus San Jose where it's, I mean, they, they can fit them in right away.
0: And also, are they telling John Tavares this in the meeting? Are they like, hey, look, you come here. We're going to make Ryan Callahan disappear. Don't worry. Yeah. We'll find it. Like, is, like, is he going to be privy I would ask to like, that those qu- moves? Yeah, I'd you I'd ask that to, question
1: right? if I'm John Tavares. I'd say, like, where where does the room come from? And, you know, specifically, who are you thinking of moving out? Because, yeah, I mean, if, if they turn around and say, ah, you know, we ah, maybe we can't we got to move Ryan McDonough. Well, okay, hold on a second. Uh, you know, right. I, this, you're not the same team without that guy. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, I think that's probably a fair. That that's that's the point where they finish the PowerPoint and the last slide is always like any questions. That's <laughs> that's where you lean into that. So
0: the, where's Nikita Kucherov going to be? <laughs> Funny story. Um, he's always wanted to play in San Jose. Whoa, yeah, oh, oh, San Jose, really? He's, yeah. He says it's awesome. He says it's <laughs> just. He's always wanted to go out there. Oh man. All right, should we should we break now? Make the first half of the show exclusively John Tavares sure. and then hammer everything out in the second half? Let's do that. So stick around. Uh you know, I believe we'll we got Paul Stasny We got we got tons of stuff. We got not tons of stuff. We got like 30 more minutes worth of stuff. That's that's how I measure it. And uh we'll be back in however long the ads take. I got no idea. So see you then. Well, we're back. And as we talked about at the top of the show at Biscuits Calling a Hockey Podcast, which I still don't think I said at the top of the show this week, but I don't know. You guys, you guys know, you guys know what this podcast is. Um, there were some trades. There wasn't really a whole mess of them. There wasn't a whole bunch of stuff that that went down on draft, draft weekend, but there were, there was, there were some moves. And, um, that Calgary Carolina trade. What what did what did you think of it? Because my initial thought was that seems fair, but then I went to Twitter and it was like Calgary got absolutely robbed yeah. because they they don't want Dougie Hamilton going to museums by
1: himself or whatever. That's Twitter, right? Like if the consensus on trades gets formed so quickly. You go from like oh yeah I don't know, and then thirty seconds later you're like. I have super look, strong opinions.
0: Look how dumb Calgary is. Like, I get the premise that Dougie Hamilton's the best player in the trade, but I always go back to my my initial feelings about Carolina, which is Bill Peters kind of ran that thing into the ground, and there were a lot of guys there that maybe underperformed because of that. So maybe Noah Hannifin and Elias Lindholm go to Calgary, and suddenly it's like, oh wow, these are the guys we thought they could be. Like, I think there's that
1: potential for the trade, but pe- people, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna point out a small flaw in that theory. Which is fuck? that? Which is that if Bill Peters was holding oh, down? Oh, that's right. Both <laughs> two guys. I got bad news for them when they get. Uh... Oh
0: no! Those poor. I didn't even consider that. <laughs> I completely forgot about him being the coach in Calgary. Oh no! Oops. Oh, what a nightmare for those guys. Oh, never uh, mind. Yeah, yeah. Now I get it. I completely, I completely forgot that Bill Peters was the coach in Calgary. Yeah, Carolina
1: wins that trade for sure. Yeah. I, I take it all back. <laughs> Good job. I mean, it was it. it like this, I like this trade just because it was kind of, I mean, this, this was pretty much an old school hockey trade, right? Like th- this wasn't futures or rentals or all cap. I mean, obviously every trade you worry about the cap and contracts and that, but it wasn't that, uh, kind of all out salary dump type of thing. It was just Calgary had one guy they wanted to move. Carolina had two. They I, like the, the part that does kind of make me scratch my head a little bit is that Calgary ends up throwing the prospect in where they're they're giving up the best player already, like Hamilton and Ferland for Elias and, and uh, Lindholm and uh, uh, Hannafin. Yeah, that I mean maybe that's that's pretty close to even. But when they throw in the prospect, but it's a prospect that they apparently felt they couldn't get signed, right. so they're going to lose them for nothing. So yeah, I mean the the part that concerns me. As it always does with this sort of stuff is when you hear these kind of whispers of like, oh, this guy wasn't fitting in, in the room. Yeah. Or he was going to museums or whatever else. And it's <laughs> kind of like, what are we making the decisions based on? And, and you know, you, you think back to that, that video of the Bruins brain trust sitting around deciding to trade Tyler Sagan because he just wasn't going to fit in. It just wasn't a Bruins type of guy. And I think these teams kind of think themselves into circles and and end up sometimes convincing themselves they gotta move on from somebody and you know, is that is that the case? Or is, you know, maybe not. I mean Hamilton's been traded twice, so maybe there is something to this and I don't know. But it you know, I I thought it was I like the trade for Carolina. You know, take advantage of another team feeling they need to move a guy, get the best player, move out two pieces that you were already shopping, uh, and and you know, take your chance. And if Dougie Hamilton gets here and he's, you know, some book loving nerd who doesn't fit in, then you deal with that down the, down the line. What if,
0: here's my theory. What if Dougie Hamilton really doesn't care about hockey, but he's really cheap and doesn't want to fly places on his own dollar. So he says to himself, Hey, let me hang out in Boston for a few years and really soak in the culture, the museums, the aquarium. Once I get all that, force a trade to a new country where i can see some stuff up there like there's probably some cool stuff in calgary like oh let's go check out the cattle ranch or whatever and now he's like i'm done with that where can i go next how about the south so now he's done the northeast he's done canada now he's doing the south so maybe maybe hamilton world tour yeah, like, he just wants to, like, he's like, oh, man, I love that Carolina barbecue, man. That vinegar-based barbecue is so good, but, like, I can't get it up here, so maybe I could just be like, uh, guys, I don't want to go to Vegas. I think I just want to watch a, I want to watch Hamilton and listen to the soundtrack when I get home by myself, and they're just like,
1: nerd, and they trade him, and he's like, yes, my plan yes, worked again. We go. Beautiful. Yeah, I don't know, I just, I love that, like, Tyler Sagan gets traded for partying too much, and Dougie Hamilton gets traded mm-hmm. for not partying enough, and.
0: Like what do these people want? Like what do they yeah. want? Like like if you're a Calgary, you don't really have enough talent to be that, you know, picky about your players' personalities. Like I like I read the Elliot's thirty one thoughts and Elliot was just talking about how it really wasn't about, you know, being a dork or whatever. It was about him not being a leader in the locker room and he got mad about you know, his brother getting traded or whatever, but Okay, A, your brother gets traded, you're gonna be you're gonna be you're gonna have the sads about it. I'm I'm sure Jamie was sad when Jordy left Dallas. Like that's part of the deal. Like you you bring the brother there because you want them to be happy. So when you separate them, you should expect them to be sad. But the whole the whole partying thing, man, like like if you're like if you're like I guess when Boston traded Dougie Hamilton, they were kind of rich with talent so they could just maybe get away with that sort of thing, but you know you're you're calgary man like you're not going to the playoffs yeah. every year you can't trade a top 10 defenseman in the league for i mean again going back I, I still think maybe those two guys could work out there even though bill peters might just continue to run them into the ground cuz i forgot bill peters was the coach <laughs> in calgary now but
1: yeah that's 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 probably going to be a good yeah. deal for carolina i mean like i do get it a little bit like if you know we've all worked in offices and that and you know it's like hey we're all going out to lunch and there's like the one guy who's like no i'm just gonna (laughs) sit at my desk and And you're kind of like all right weirdo you can't really just you can't just come eat with the rest of us but i brought my tuna fish from home i'm gonna eat this at my desk i'm gonna microwave it and then it's all right let's get that guy out of here but if he's the best employee at the yeah widget factory like you think he'd maybe be okay with that but I don't know. T- time will tell, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I I like it for Carolina, e- even even if there's some risk with whatever's going on with with Dougie Hamilton, personality-wise, it's a risk worth taking. So I like that deal, and then the I, I also like the Washington Carolina deal, where Washington trades uh, Grubauer and and dumps Brooks Orpik's contract, Colorado, to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're we're really on top of things today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, and gets a second round. Washington gets a second round pick. And they, yeah, it's a good dump. Which was less than what we thought they were going to Like, we thought they were going to get a first, uh, for, for Grubauer. But he, instead, you dump the salary. And then they use that salary to get John Carlson re signed to a expensive contract that will probably, Backfire, but also is the kind of thing that you sort of wind up having to do when you win a Stanley Cup and you're trying to keep that team together. And and Colorado uses basically uses money to buy buy their buy, you know buy a goalie who's going to end up probably being their starter for a second instead of a first. Makes sense. Makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, and somebody laid out the list of all the available goaltenders in the market July 1st and maybe via trade, so you can kind of understand why they don't get a first for Grubauer. But you know, you get Orpik off the books, which was really a problem for them. They could Orpik. get him back. You you could could bring him back now, apparently, because well, he was bought know. out by the other team. I don't believe that's a thing. Like, has that, like how many times has that ever happened where a guy was so bad and
1: so expensive they traded him to another team and bought him out and then they brought him back instantly? I, don't, I can't remember that ever. Yeah, I happened. You right. see it. You know, you see it in the NFL where you can. There's no guaranteed contracts, and you cut a guy and then sign him to a new deal the next day. But I. But. You know, how often do you see a guy get traded for the purpose of being bought out in the first place? Like that's relatively rare. So, I could see this. This could be like a new thing that teams figure out. That wait a second, we got this guy. He's got a bat. You know, we don't like the last year or two of his contract. Trade him somewhere. Let him get bought out. We re-sign him. As long as, as long as Brooks Orpik makes a third of his salary on the next deal, he still comes out ahead uh, financially. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that became a became a thing hmm. yeah, and, the then the NBA NHL, NBA and then the nhl and then two that. years later the nhl will decide they don't like it and they'll tell teams to stop doing it even though they've allowed them to do it oh there's a thing we along. didn't plan to
0: talk about that i completely just flashed on gary bettman telling the, the gms to not give big bonuses yeah. for the lockout year like what like I, you i, I no D- just don't have a lockout man like stop stop yeah. stop preparing for lockouts two years in advance every every seven years and, and just you can't tell gms to do that like, no, that no seems the like gms should
1: yeah, it does, right? Like you can't. Right. You're, you, the, the commissioner can't dictate the terms of legal contracts based on his plans oh. to lockout players. Right. So, yeah,
0: right? Like, if yeah. you don't think there is going to be a lockout, just just remember that Gary Bettman, two years in advance, told GMs to not give out lockout bonuses that protect you from the lockout because he knows the lockout's coming.
1: Oh, God, this league. Sp- speaking of Gary Bettman, because we'll we'll slip into this, then we can go back to the the draft trades and stuff that didn't happen because there was a lot of stuff that we thought would happen that didn't uh but I just want to get your take on this so start of the NHL draft Friday night Gary Bettman walks out on the stage the fans in Dallas all boo right Gary Bettman says no no don't boo me because we're doing this Humboldt tribute uh EJ McGuire award all this like they're doing like a serious thing he says, "Don't boo me, boo- wait until this is over, then you can boo me as much as you want." They do the tribute. they come back from it, the fans start to boo again. Bettman says, "No, no, we're not done." <laughs> so they stop booing. And I, you know I've seen people who are like, "Oh, yeah, Dallas, have some class. How, how could they boo during this, you know very serious And it was a very well done uh, tribute and, and everything else. So, what are your thoughts on that? Are we are we mad at Dallas fans? No, no, for booing. Good. All right.
0: Because because you don't if if you're gonna do that off the top, when you know you're gonna get booed, when when you're when you're getting booed, so you know feverishly and constantly at everything you go to that you're you're now planning comebacks weeks in advance so you can say them into the microphone before you give out the cup you should know if you're going to do an EJ McGuire Humboldt tribute right you should probably have literally anyone else at the NHL do it
1: literally anyone else do it at some other point and and do it like you know with with warning where somebody else comes out and says hey we're doing this yeah you know so here's my question did the league just not think this through Yes. Or did, or did they think this through and they got the reaction they wanted so that they could then go, oh, poor Gary Bettman, those terrible fans, and, you know, kind of, or is that too cynical of me to think that they knew exactly what was going to happen? And...
0: I always lean towards the NHL not thinking things through. I feel like there's enough Fair. evidence over time that shows they don't think things through. Like, hey, let's have a magician at the NHL Awards. Should he, rehe- <laughs> should he rehearse his things? Nah, just let him do his uh, card tricks.
1: Poor guy. I mean, oh, God, I just... All right. Here's let me let me say two other things then on the on the Gary Bettman thing because I think we're on the we're on the same page as as far as the booing. But first of all, like every time Gary Bettman gets booed, he comes out. He makes the same joke, like the same thing happens every time. He comes out, he gets booed. He goes, "Oh, thanks for that warm welcome," or you know, be "Good to see that the fans here are passionate," and. Half my Twitter timeline is immediately like, ah, great job, Gary Bettman. Yeah. Wow, look at it. He's embracing it. He's having fun with it. What a great... It's the same joke about how he doesn't care about getting booed. And then 15 seconds later, he's so flustered that he's like lost his place and he's like getting... The hand is starting to wave around. And everybody's like, ah, cool as a cucumber. There's Gary. It's like, what are you watching? He has one pre-written joke that he's been doing for like 14 years now and then it just all goes to hell and I, I wish anybody i knew in my life was as easy to impress as people watching gary bettman get booed so that's well, take number one
0: well but before you go to take two i yeah. just
1: want to i just want to point out that you know
0: when it comes to people liking the same joke uh the bazinga show has been on the air for like 12 years and where the guy says bazinga and i just think people like to hear the same joke over and over
1: again once they I hear a joke they like, like that
0: I think that's just the thing.
1: I'm with you. I'm with have, you. You know I'm what? I'm with you. I have I have thoughts on people liking the same joke over and over again, but I'll get to that after we do the Sedins at the end of the show. Okay. Take two. Like, does it feel like we have just skipped past the whole thing where it's kind of weird that the face of a company gets booed every single time he appears in public? Mm. Like, we've just, everyone's just kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, it's the booing. It's like... The CEO of a company isn't supposed to be so hated by all the customers that they like instinctively have this like visceral negative reaction every time they see his face. Like that's a little weird. It may be a sign that things aren't being right. Like I know, I know yeah. revenue's up, mm-hmm. but I feel like we just skip past the part where it's like, oh, look, ten thousand customers of this company hate that company's leader so much. That they will boo over a tribute to, like, I don't know. I guess not. Yeah, Batman's doing a great job. It's all
0: all fun and games. But Sean, I'm I'm glad you brought this up because I want to take the rest of the time on the show to talk about civility. <laughs> I I think I think oh, we God. have lost civility in this country. Where you know Gary Bettman just can't go out in public without being booed. Uh, you know what? This this is not the the the, de- the democracy that I believe in where people can boo someone. And I mean, that's the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone ever is to get booed. And I just, you know, I look for my New York times opinion piece on this
1: about civility. Gary Bettman was the canary in the coal mine of America losing its way <laughs> by Dave Lozo.
0: Oh man. What a, what a, what a, what a time to
1: be alive. All right. Uh, so, but, so what so back to the draft, back to the draft, draft the, yes. the, where a lot of big names that we thought would be potentially on the move didn't move. No Eric Carlson trade to talk about. No Max Pacioretty trade. Rumored that there was one that was maybe getting close, but, but that didn't happen. Um, you know, really a quiet weekend, you know, and the draft itself, we could talk about a little bit, but I think that played out, you know, more or less as expected. And, you know, with the typical reaches and, you know, guys falling and that sort of thing. But as far as like the fireworks around it and, and teams making move there were like, there was the only those two trades involving legitimate NHL players and that's it. And now, you know, it's, it's the last few years we have seen kind of the draft weekend comes. And then it's a couple of days after where the, we get some, some bigger trades. So maybe we're right on the verge of that, but maybe not like, I, you know, maybe th- there was, more than the few GMs who were like, yeah, it's super quiet right now. And I don't know if it's maybe Tavares is the log jam or, or what it is, but I wonder if maybe the, the trade market, I mean, we had more Mike Hoffman trades last <laughs> <Yeah>. Tuesday <laughs> than we had, you know, major hockey trades on any day of the draft weekend.
0: Yeah. It was, it was really weird when the, 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 the caps Colorado trend went down and everyone was like, wow. And I'm like, wait, so a team traded a backup goalie and its worst defenseman to get bought out. And this is like the biggest thing ever. Like this is the thing that's like, oh, since you were complaining about Gary Bettman people on Twitter who were like, wow, he's so hilarious and quick and sharp. I would like to point out that this is in a way, in a way, not necessarily for sure, definitively the worst time of year, because this is the time of year when everybody quote tweets a trade with some nonsensical, uninformative comment. Like, wow, they did it. Check this out. And it's just like, just hit the retweet button, man. Like, I follow Bob McKenzie. Like, Bob (laughs) McKenzie tweeted out the trade. You don't need to then, like, type it up yourself. Breaking. Like, yeah, breaking. You're not breaking it. Someone else already broke it. The team tweeted it out. Just retweet the team, and then we'll all see it. So, it's just an entire timeline of, like, quote tweets. I am confirming that this... Oh, confirming. By the way, if... A reporter tweets out a, 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 a breaking news story. Um, what was the one? There was one over the weekend. I forget what it was. Maybe it was, I don't think it was the Orpic trade. I think, I want to say it was something Larry Brooks, the New York Post. Tw- oh, was it the Tavares list? Tavares yeah. list. He tweeted it out. Larry Brooks has been in New York forever. John Tavares plays in New York. Larry Brooks is well connected. Larry Brooks has sources. He tweeted out he's, he's going to be meeting with five teams. If you personally want to confirm that for yourself, just, you know, talk to your own sources and say, is this true? And then they say, yes, you do not need to go onto Twitter and then confirm the report that it was correct in the first place, that you did not need to make sure it was correct for other people. You just wanted to make sure for yourself. Like, yeah. I understand, I understand confirming something that's a rumor that you're hearing somewhere offline. And you want to go out and say, I can confirm the rumors out there that blah, 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 blah. You do not need to confirm stuff for other people. It's so, it's so self-serving. I hate it so much. It drives me absolutely insane. Because
1: people, I mean, you know, and I think people understand this, like when you confirm something, you're not doing that for your readers. You're doing it for your own boss. You're basically being like, all right, I got beat on this, but I, I have my same, I have sources too. I'm plugged in. I just happen to get it like once seconds afterwards
0: once you confirm that original report why don't you just retweet the original report because you don't have the original report someone else does like just retweet like oh man i i could i could go get those
1: sweet retweets
0: i could go on a rant about like aggregation and like that sort of stuff for days but like (laughs) that's what
1: i'm gonna start doing you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna take like when when elliot or bob mckenzie or somebody breaks a trade i'm just gonna take a screen cap of their trade (laughs) i'm gonna crop out who it was I'm going to tweet that screen crap cap with who did this in all caps and just soak in the, oh, 50,000 retweets, and then, like, add a little note two days later, like, apparently it was uh, Elliot Freeman. Yeah. Here's here's a link to, you know, please give him credit, guys. Come on. I'm a, uh, you know, I wasn't intentionally. Every time you type who did this into Twitter, a little box should pop up that says, like, hey, <laughs> jerk, why don't you find out before you steal the credit from some anonymous cartoonist that you're ripping off from like why don't you read the reddit thread you stole this from so that you can
0: don't even don't even do the thing with the tweet like like screen screenshot elliot's actual 31 thoughts and like don't change the typeface or anything so everyone knows what it is what's this from
1: who did this (laughs) who did this
0: fam (laughs) fam who did this i don't know then like four Uh, seconds later someone's like i already figured out who it was did you even bother to look like no my friend texted it to me Oh.
1: Yeah. oh sorry, I got it off Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> what Facebook? Uh the 31 Thoughts Facebook <laughs> page. Uh, there has uh. never the, the only the only good example of anyone ever doing that was years ago on Grantland, I did this big Venn diagram of the like basically the most hated people in hockey and I had all these different categories. And it was all these overlapping things of of all of these different names and and people. And then right in the middle, the only person who hit every single category of hockey hatred was Sean Avery. And his picture was right in there. And Sean Avery took that, stripped (laughs) out the credit, and like retweeted it. No, Sean Avery? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a jerk. But wait a second. All right. That's good. (laughs) It was like a meta jerk move where I was like, I kind of respect it. Yeah. Sort of. I feel
0: like that actually worked. Well, speaking of Sean Avery, um, the Hall of Fame announcements are going to come out Tuesday afternoon and we record Tuesday morning. So we know we're not going to have it. We're not going to be surprised. Like, hey, look at that. So uh, real quick, Marty Brodeur for sure. Brodeur for sure. And then it's like people, there there seems to be a lot of Willie O'Ree talk this year. So I think think it's going to happen. Like the people who are talking don't have the votes necessarily, but... It, there's a lot of there's a lot of push, a lot of firm. But it is
1: it is weird that we've gone from like Willie O'Ree being a, a fringe candidate year after year, at least as far as we know. We never know. Maybe he's he's been right there in the behind the scenes voting, but he and then like this year, like everybody's just on board. I think partly it's because he's been more visible the last the last year. There, there's been you know he's been showing up at events and that sort of thing. But yeah, I I think he has to get in, and that'll be great. And we should we should all be be happy when that happens, but let's not lose track of the fact that this should have happened years right. ago. I also I also, mean, I also kind of
0: thought of it. it I also thought it might not happen because he got some sort of like award at the at the draft, and I was like, oh, that feels like one of those things where they do that in advance, so it's like, well, hey, we we gave him this, like yeah, we we left him off this year, but I mean we're we're honoring right. him, so I'm kind of I'm kind of worried that they're not gonna put him in based on that but I don't know
1: we'll the see. only thing is you'd, you'd have him go in as a builder and I think they're only allowed two builders a year so I mean if if somebody's uncle is really needs his <laughs> you know his it's his turn hopefully but I think yeah I, I would assume he's in Haley, so from there it's Wickenheiser, Haley, what, Haley, it, Haley Wickenheiser seems th- like it, no the thing with Haley Wickenheiser is she's not eligible yet she doesn't she hasn't hit the three-year mark but there has been like this Minor, like I saw something in the Toronto Star today. I've seen a few other places where they're saying they should waive the three years, which is something they used to do. But after Wayne Gretzky, they, they put a stop to it. They said, we're not doing that anymore. We don't want to have like a, a, an extra level of Hall of Fame.
0: Chris Prager. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Chris <Prider. laughs> I don't realize. So, well, yeah. I, that's, I thought, I, yeah. When, was her, when was her last international tournament?
1: She only retired like, I, I want to say last year. Might or have she... been two years ago. It wasn't three years ago. Hmm, look at and that. like you know, as an active player, I don't know when the the actual tournament was, but it's yeah, she's uh, so last
0: time. It's last time I listened to John Shannon.
1: Yeah, I, uh... I don't think I don't think she's eligible. There are you know there, there of the women's players. There's Jana Hefford, Jennifer Botterill. Manon Manoreon is an interesting one. That that name comes up every now and then because yeah, like you know, I mean a trailblazer. Yeah. Didn't have the international resume, but couldn't have the international resume because that was before that time. I don't know. That's an interesting one. What 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 dudes are going to get in besides Brodeur? Do you think? So the other big first-year candidate is Martin St-Louis. He shouldn't get in. I don't, he shouldn't I, I don't get he in has... at all or shouldn't get
0: in oh, first ballot? I don't know. Like, I just I'm, – I'm at a point now at the Hall of Fame where, like, I just feel like they're just putting in dudes they liked. You know, like, like – Well, here's – I don't know. Y- I, I – Kind I get the
1: I get the case for it but like I'm just not there. I think the case for you know for him is he had about a decade from 2004 to 2013. So almost almost a decade where he was a first or second team all-star pretty much every other year. And I you know, I look at those all, I, I mean, if you're a first or second team All-Star, that means you're in the conversation for the best in the league at your position. And I always want to know, you know, how—were wh- they in the conversation to as the best in the league at their position? For how long and how often? And then did they ever transcend that into being the best in the league, period? Like being in that best player in hockey discussion? And he did win a Hart Trophy. Yeah, was a he won year, two scoring, yeah it was a bad year, but He won two scoring—it was a bad year, but he—you know, he won a Hart. He won two—two yeah. two scoring titles— many years apart, like, I feel like he's there. I, you know, if you buy into this idea that going in on the first ballot should be some sort of special, you know, additional honor, then maybe he's not there. Maybe they they hold him till next year. But he's one of those guys where the more I look at his case, the stronger I think it gets. And the interesting thing is then the, because the other guy who seems to be showing up on, on a lot of lists is Daniel Alfredson, who's kind of the reverse case of that. Like two yeah. guys, same position. Alfredson's got the bigger career numbers. Cause he played, played longer. Like St. Louis didn't really become a legitimate NHL until he was 25 or so.
0: 23, 24. Oh yeah. 23 is I yeah. think when he broke in, right? Yeah. So,
1: yeah. So, you know, Alfredson played longer. He broke in late too, but he, he played into his forties, but Alfredson's a guy, he had only one year where he was a first or second team. He was a second team all-star in in the first year after the lockout. That was also the only year he was a, in the top five in hard voting. In fact, it was the only year he was in the top 15 in hard voting. So great player, lots of, you know, racked up, very good numbers. Never really in that best player conversation the way St. Louis was.
0: Mm. Very,
1: you know, not as often in the best player disposition conversation. Like, I think St. Louis got the stronger case. Alfredson's going to get in, and probably today, because he also, you know, he's a he's a guy everyone likes, played for one team pretty much his whole career, which really seems to help people's cases. So I, I think he's in. But I think St. Louis got at least a strong, probably a stronger case. So it'll be a little weird when, you know, if Alfredson gets in and then St. Louis doesn't because they have to, because it's Alfredson's second year too, so... Uh, he's he's another one of those guys where maybe they just felt like last year, make him don't don't make him a first ballot guy, make him wait a year and then this is his year. Love that stuff.
0: Sergei Zubov, second best defenseman of his era behind Nick Litchstrom Just FYI, oh, he's, then you he's, then you
1: got all the other guys, right? Zubov, Curtis Joseph, ronick Flurry, oh, Keith don't, Kachuk. Don't lump Sergei Zubov in with Curtis Joseph
0: and Jeremy ronick It's blasphemous in this in this in this part of the in the hockey world. Sergei Zubov should have been in two years ago, three years hey, ago, five years hey man, ago.
1: if you, if, if, if you can get a guy who was a Norris finalist once into the hall of fame, that's, I, uh, but like, again, like the, 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 I know, we're the, I know. the idiots
0: who vote for these things and like, oh man, whatever. Yeah. Do we, so, so we gotta, we probably gotta wrap it up here soon. Do you have any The other one other name I'll just,
1: I'll just quickly throw out as somebody that I wouldn't, that, that I feel like could be getting back into the car is Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson has a great case as a player I mean that Mike I, Hoffman trade was good, but let's like relax here. I mean, come well, on. Well, I honestly think like the fact that he's continues to like kick butt as an executive kind of helps us. Like he's not some guy who just fades out and gets forgotten, or a guy like Kevin Lowe, where maybe he has the case, but every time you say his name, fans are like, "Oh, that guy, that terrible GM." I don't know, Doug. I, I looked at Doug Wilson years ago, and he's got he's got a pretty strong case, stronger than Sergei Zubov, but you know. But right. he's been waiting 22 years, so really, what's if, it, if, he, if he wasn't in before? What's changed?
0: All right, you want you want to, you want to do the reader questions and then and then call it a day. Let's do it. Uh, Megan Dash, salty four by four ever. I don't know what that means. <laughs> She's salty. Oh, speaking of salty, by the way, duck bacon. Duck bacon is where it's at. Just if you ever go to Dallas, get, order some duck bacon. Uh, she wants to know: is calling it quote hockey culture. Just a way of explaining away how absolutely toxic most NHL organizations seem to be. Thinking specifically of Voinoff and the dumb rumor about Hamilton not fitting in. Yeah, when you when you pair the Dougie Hamilton thing with the Slava Voinov thing, where teams are like, we can't rule out sla- signing Slava Voinoff, and there's still a team out there that's like, yeah, Dougie Hamilton likes to be by himself sometimes on the road. We got to get rid of him. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a that's a odd
1: pairing to say the least. It is, it, but you know what? That's why hockey culture is the right term because it's not like social culture it's not society it's these weird rules in hockey where some things are you know you know mike Hoffman was untouchable for a lot of teams and slavo seems to not be and it's yeah bizarre. it's it's not the same set of rules that would govern pretty much any other subgroup of society but hockey is terrible its own thing and you know and, okay. and other other sports are like this too in their own way but yeah, I again, it just feels like GMs go from overthinking it on some players and finding reasons not to, to want the guy, and then apparently if you disappear off to the KHL for a few years, they go to completely uh, underthinking it or not thinking it at all.
0: Uh, Zach, who will overpay Paul Stastny as their Tavares plan B, and
1: why is it Toronto? <laughs> I don't think it's Toronto. I don't think... I don't think that's it, it. I mean, it it could be, but I feel like that's more of it. Like, I, like San Jose, that would be a perfect place if they don't get Tavares. They've got all the money. They can they can do a, a longer term deal. Uh, I don't know, overpay him. I I feel like Stastny's like a better player than people than people think. And the thing the, the thing that'll be interesting with him is he signed like, four years ago. He signed the big UFA contract. But it was four years ago which means he signed a four-year deal and he's ufa again which he was like the one guy who didn't go for the seven or eight year deal and maybe it wasn't on the table but he took i think higher cap hit than people expected i think he came in at like seven million but he only took four years which i think is the sort of deal that teams should be pushing for so it'll be interesting to see if he does that again or if he looks for as many years as possible because he he definitely came out ahead money-wise the last little while if he hits another big contract then that strategy will work really well for him I think it's San Jose if they don't get Tavares and I think it's the Islanders
0: if they don't get Tavares I feel like they're gonna need not need the Islanders are gonna need to sort of like sell their fans on something and they kind of yep. did that with Andrew Ladd that one off season. and while San Jose is gonna be like well we have this money to spend Paul Stassi's a good center let's let's pay him maybe <laughs> a little more than we should
1: or or the other one is Montreal because they need a center, and they didn't even get an invite on John Tavares. And there's been a lot of Tavares talk all year. And I guess like Mark Bergevin's apparently like good friends with, with Tavares' agent or something. And a lot of people thought that would at least get him in the door, and it didn't. And as we all know, there's always a lot of pressure in, in Montreal to do something. So that could be a, a situation where, you know, you bring, bring it in to uh, Stastny in Quebec. It's kind of a connection, sort mm-hmm. of. Not really.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Well, Lou, I was I, well. Lou was the GM when his dad played in Jersey, so maybe there's some something there. There's maybe. always a connection. There's, it's amazing how, like, no matter where a guy signs, you can always like go back through like a hockey DB page and find like some weird yeah. connection from like when he was 16 or something. Oh, even he played for the,
1: Pete DeBoer. Even during the draft, like at some point, we gotta reckon with the fact there's only like eight families still producing hockey players, and they're just like <laughs> cycling through. Like everybody is like the son or the nephew or something, but. It's a beautiful game. All right. Well, I believe
0: that's all the time we have for today. Uh we will be back next week and we will talk about all of the great contracts that are that are efficient and well thought out and not terrible overpayments. Um and we'll do all that on probably the usual day. We got to figure that out, I guess. But yeah, we'll do it after July yep. 1st obviously and before July 4th when everybody goes away. And uh thanks for being our our loyal readers and 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 reading us every week and um, continue to read us until the season's over, and we're not writing stuff
1: anymore. And then don't read anybody, anybody else. Don't. For it doesn't the rest matter. of the summer, just save save your eyeballs for September. Don't
0: click on anything that Elliot Friedman puts out with Thirty One Thoughts. Like, just just don't 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 give him the satisfaction. Just click on us, only us. Uh, and also don't forget to pre-order Sean's book. Oh the yeah, one, the One Hundred Greatest Histories of America. No. If you
1: haven't, if you haven't pre-ordered the book yet, do it. If you have, do it again, just in case. Just yeah. to be safe. Just get as many as you can. They're going to be collectors' items. Um, so yeah, that's it. We'll
0: we'll see you next week, and uh, thanks for being a part of Biscuits Colon, a hockey podcast.
1: See ya. Thanks everyone. Bye.